Hello, and welcome to the Backwards Infect. As always, you can reach us at Twitter, at the Backwards Infect. Also, uh, we have an email where you could reach us at thebackwardseffect at gmail.com. Today, Luke and I talked to Soleil, um, somebody who is quite far along on her spiritual progression as somebody who has just recently come to know himself spiritually, you find yourself looking for sources in social media, for me especially Twitter, and there's lots of wonderful spiritual sources. Um, lots of them are complicated in terms of, you know, what happened to the people in Atlantis, um, lots of complicated things uh, to dive into, and there's lots of people who are quoting um, the spiritual legends, which is always nice to see and always resonates at the right time, it seems. But then there's these rare people who seem to be spilling a lot of truth that they're coming uh, to themselves from within. And they kind of stick out. And Soleil is one of those voices on Twitter that has uh, stuck out to me. And when you talk to her, you realize that that voice of truth that you see on Twitter also seems to um, be active conversationally. And I know she had a pretty big impact on me. I know she had a big impact on Luke. For me specifically, we talk about empathy or being empathic. And she had some really good advice that I hadn't really taken into consideration myself. And as I slept on it last night, I was realizing how hard that piece of advice hit. So just super grateful to talk to somebody that is so far along in their spiritual progression and I'll let her from this point speak for herself. Cool. Welcome to the Backwards Infect everybody. We have a special guest, uh Soleil. Um we've actually been seeing a lot of her tweets on on Twitter, so we reached out. Um obviously it's right in line with the kind of podcast that we we do. So Soleil, welcome to the program. Glad to have you tonight. Thank you. It's great to be here. So where where are you from? I'm from Seattle originally. I'm now in Austin, Texas, um, and have been many places between the two. But yeah, originally from Seattle. So that name is is from what background? Soleil? Um, yeah, it's a Spanish name. Okay. Mm -hmm. Spanish. Very cool. Um, so I guess we'll just we'll dive right into your background as far as um obviously i don't know if you know the story we're two brothers uh, okay. biologically my i had an awakening probably about 25 years ago but it was more of a mm -hmm. forced awakening and about mm -hmm. three months ago um kane here had a what you would call a, a deck of cards uh falling awakening he just couple minutes all of his thoughts stopped i've never seen it before i've only read in books um i don't know if you're familiar with eckhart tolle but he mm -hmm. had that he had that same kind of awakening where he wanted to kill himself and then bam so i was on the phone with him when that happened so it was a pretty pretty amazing moment for the both of us and we both knew we had to do something as far as you know putting out putting out some good, um, some words. And so we just said, we're going to stay committed to the podcast. Um, mm, amazing. I've never even heard that term. Is that like a known term for this specific type of awakening? We, we've called it a bunch of different things. Uh, we've called it a rug pull. We've called it a deck of cards falling. We've called it, um, basically it was just a sensation of understanding that there was entity inside of me mm. but it 
somehow uh, was total. So the entire voice, the entire identity, everything that I had built up just went quiet and it was just done. It was almost like menopause or something where I only had a certain amount of thought and mm -hmm. it just came to an end and I was just left in this empty state. And that's when all the magic happened. Wow, so interesting. I I, ha I don't know much about that style. So that's so, and I actually didn't even realize that Eckhart Tolle had his in that same way. Yeah, he tells a similar story. And um, I think the I'm definitely not trying to compare myself to Eckhart Tolle, but you don't really have a framework to put it on other than like the stories you hear from people. And really, really the only difference is um, he talks about reaching a state where he was quiet for multiple years afterwards, but mm. I'm a father of two. I'm married. I have a job. Mm. So like I was clinging on to form for dear life, like, cause wow. I just felt, um, very disoriented and, um, I, I would have been completely content stopping a lot of progress but i mean that just wasn't really an option for me so you're kind of putting yourself back together and luckily talking to my brother luke and uh now find myself here just analyzing the the loss of ego and the state that it leaves you in totally so and you were on the phone at the time were you going through something at the time specifically or were you just like having a normal conversation yeah, I actually was going through something at the time. So uh, you probably remember it was the morning Chris Rock got slapped. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was angry over the weekend about silly stuff. I coached my daughter, daughter's volleyball team. Mm -hmm. And I had had a sensation where anger had crept in pretty hard and for the first time I felt like I went to bed angry and then like I woke up angry and it was that morning that Chris rock got slapped. And then I felt like I was in this collective anger and mm. it was just this anger. I mean, I, I was in control. I wasn't lashing out. It was all just happening in my head. And I had a voice that was very, very sensible that I was identifying with that just kept asking, like, why are you so angry? Like, why are you invested in this? Um, why are you letting this affect you the way that you are? And then I had another voice that was basically saying, because they deserve it. They all deserve mm. your anger. But that mm. voice was the authority because I didn't really have anything to say after that. Like once he said they deserve it, I just mm -hmm. kind of accepted it. I'm like, well, I, I don't have an argument for that point. So mm -hmm. the authority kind of separated from the identity because okay. my identity was way more comfortable just asking the questions like, why am I so angry? What, what's going on? But when I was on the phone with Luke, he just mentioned the word entity. And my first reaction was, why didn't I think of that? And when I went to analyze the own my own entity like there was it just like roaches they just scurried away all the voices nothing was left and when wow. they came back they were just very very quiet very very far away and um, and before we got off the phone i mean i was just in a really emotional state with him which is a new for me i'm wasn't necessarily a very emotional guy, but just uh, a flood of emotion right away that I and I had no idea what was happening to me. But after that, there was weeks of a magical filling back up from a yeah. bigger collective, a one wow. consciousness. Yeah. So I can't defend my agnostic position anymore. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Powerful. Yeah, it was. It was. It's amazing. Yeah, it's 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 been a it's it's been a powerful moment for me because I had when that happened to him, it just sent me off into, you know, kind of like a second awakening for me because mm. 20 25 years ago, I I did not have the same experience. I mean, I I learned to meditate mm. and and how to push through that anxiety and kind of burn it out of me. 
but it was like a two week process. Once I knew the door and the pathway, um, it was all about pushing through. And with him, it was, it was, it was done in a matter of seconds. And he was going to the grocery store. And when he came back, he was a different person. And I had called him that day to talk about stocks. I, it was totally unexpected. I had no idea what kind of, uh, frame of mind he was going to be in or or anything so the expectation of that was I didn't have any expectation for it Mm -hmm. isn't it amazing you know it's I mean we all obviously have our own processes and they always look quite different um and but it's like it's like once you once sort of your whole system is ready for it it's like it's going to happen you know there's nothing nothing you can do about it, but only when your system is ready for it, which is why those of us who have gone through this, and if you consider yourself a teacher in this realm or whatever, you know, you understand that you can't wake people up really, you know, on some level, you can, you know, give your insight, you can speak your truth, you can share your experience, but the truth of the matter is until their systems are in line for this to happen for them, there's just, you know, it's not, there's, they're only ever on their own time. And but it's like once the time is right, it's like it's going to happen. You know, sometimes people go through massive, say, car accidents or something like that, where it's like your whole world has to rock. Um, But yours was a lot, you know, know, it's amazing that yours was like less sort of detrimental and more just sort of like, okay, we're done with this. We're going to shed this whole layer off and we're going to start again. Yeah, I am super frustrated by the point you just made, but I believe you are absolutely correct. (laughs) <laughs> but you do have that sensation of you want to shake other people out of it, you know, because yes. it's so powerful. Oh, gosh. Yeah, totally. So th- that's one of the, you know, me coming out of it in the very beginning. I, The excitement and the level that, that you want to help people or get it out, you kind of mm-hmm. have to realize what you just, the point you just made is it's we can put the seeds out. But as far as yeah. it's not a system, so we, 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 there is no persuasion like a religion there is no it's it's putting the seeds out there and at the proper time maybe someone comes on the podcast or whatever it may be um but that old system of trying to bring people in it it doesn't exist anymore in this it's it's all it's all about when the time is right totally yeah. And, you know, I don't know what you all believe in terms of like having different lifetimes, but, you know, I mean, my experience and understanding has been that we do. And therefore that sometimes, you know, that kind of shift doesn't even happen till next time. So, you know, it's like you have to like totally let go of any attachment you have to anybody coming on this journey with you, people who you've done your whole life with. And then suddenly you're a different person and you're trying to fit yourself into their context that doesn't exist anymore. So there's so many layers and it's so rich. You, like you said, it's like an emptying to refill as someone new in many ways. I mean, you know, actually, so you know, um, Soleil is actually a name change for me. My my birth and government name is Danica. Um, and that came as a result of my awakening because I was like, I don't even like, I, I don't even know her anymore, right? It was like, I'm, I feel like such a totally different person. That's amazing. You changed yeah. your name. For so what is yeah. the awakening story? Yeah, you know, um, it was a little bit more of a slow process for me. I I was very versed in this sort of metaphysical realm because my mother was very much into it. So I literally, like, she taught me to count with angel numbers. I'm like, I've been always very absorbed in this space. So I had sort of an understanding of it. I knew what an awakening was. I was very familiar with, like, ego deaths and all of that was very normal in my vocabulary. Um, I also am, you know, a Reiki healer. I do energy work and she too had that in sort of her toolkit of things that she did. Um, So she sort of normalized this whole kind of context for me at a very young age. Um, So I I, I had the understanding and the knowledge of it. I was, you know, wasn't, I, I still feel that I did go through an awakening around 2012 was when I just, it was like I was, um, I had, I was living in Seattle at the time, graduated college. I was actually working as a counselor in an eating disorder recovery center. And it was um, a place where people had to be 10 hours a day t- in order to basically maintain their lives. You know, it was like very serious, a very serious space. And it was, you know, it was, it was heavy. It was a very difficult place to work. Um, and you know, it's, it's, there's a lot, there's a lot of heaviness. There's like so much unhappiness, so much trauma, and you're just in kind of the thick of it as a counselor in the program. And I would leave work every day. And I was just like, like, how, how do people get to this place where, you know, there's programs built that we're, we're literally saving people from themselves. 
and 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 why is there so much widespread unhappiness? Why is there so much wide widespread depression? Why is mental illness this kind of coined term now? And that we and there's it's it's rampant. And those questions kind of led me to like, oh, okay, maybe there's answers we don't have yet. Maybe there's like non-mainstream answers that we need to, that I am like part of my mission is going to be to sort of facilitate solutions in a new way. So it kind of clicked in me. I was still sort of in the indoctrinated space at the time. So I literally was like, okay, I have to change the world. This is what I'm going to do. And I, so I went and I um, searched for a master's program in changing the world. Um, they had one. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? Yeah, right. Um, it was a master's in social entrepreneurship and change at Pepperdine University. I'm like, boom, this is my program. This is what I'm supposed to do. I get in. Long story short, um, oop, I think my my video froze. Can you still hear me? Yep. Oh, yeah, yeah. you're good. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. um, long story short, the program got postponed. And so I kind of wasn't sure what I was going to do at that time. And I ended up traveling house sitting. And that ended up totally being the master's program that I was intended for and needed. I never even did the master's program because what that did was took me into myself. So I ended up meditating five, six hours a day for years. Um, and it was, that was my whole kind of, actually, I just, just was talking about this, my whole kind of human excavation of like doing my, the work of clearing me out as you kind of were explaining in your, in your clearing, um, figuring out then what my gifts are and you know what my tools are and how you know how I kind of can implement my thing into this myself into this new paradigm if you will and um so it was a, it was a journey certainly and it was um over the course of many years that I spent a lot of time by myself and in solitude really sort of rewiring reprogramming unlearning healing and from there kind of really took on, okay, I feel like, you know, I know that I'm a healer that feels like my sort of life's work and then let that just kind of guide me um, through where I am now. Beautiful. Yeah. So your mother uh, was into this too. So you didn't grow up in like a traditional religion. You know, she was quite flexible. Um, she, so my, she she was she was raised catholic um and then was definitely christian you know based but she sort of she kind of blended christianity and spirituality i would say so i went to church with her often um i understood christianity a lot my father's dad was a christian pastor so that was like that that's kind of deep into my roots but i kind of took on her uh, way of doing it which was just sort of the blending of all of it so um, so yeah, I, I wouldn't even necessarily say I was raised Christian. I was really raised more spiritual, but I definitely feel like I have kind of a Christian foundation. Yeah. We both have a Christian foundation too. I, after I knew that I wasn't finding like real change in the church. And then when I broke through and had that awakening, when opening up the Bible, seeing some of the things come alive, cause there's really some nice truth, um, um, scriptures in the Bible that before I awakened, Absolutely. I didn't even understand. But afterwards, I'm like, oh, after you awaken, I'm like, oh, I know this guy, Jesus. Okay, I know where he's coming from now. But in totally. the Christianity, there none of that um, mechanics of it is there. It's just you, you have the preacher that's obviously he has the verse and chapter, but I, there's there's nothing resonating inside. There's nothing that's um confirming in me whatever you want to call it that that he's on the right path so definitely get a lot of the blind leading the blind type thing but mm -hmm. i didn't even know what blind leading the blind was until i awakened i'm like holy cow like everything's backwards um hence mm. backwards in yeah. fact so, um truly mm, okay cool i like that <laughs> But yeah, that's yeah. where the, that's where the name came from. I I started writing after yeah. I woke, and I literally walked outside, and there you go, you're back now. Yeah. Can yeah. you hear me? Yeah, uh, I, I literally walked outside, like seeing the trees for the first time, and I remember coming up in my head like everything was backwards to me. Everything was mm. back, like everyone was teaching me, or culture was trying to teach me, but it. it it had nothing to do with with like rote learning as far as spirituality or 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 finding what you need to find within none of that um 
none of that happened until I ran into a spiritual teacher that said, basically, this is the door. Now go push through it. And that's what I did. So after wow. seeing Kate have that awakening, I'm wondering why I couldn't have the deck of cards falling like he did. Because there was no work involved in that one. It was one yeah. minute play and two minutes mm -hmm. later. But it was beautiful. Both of them are beautiful. Both of them had mm -hmm. the same result. Both of them led to us, you know, to this day now saying, you know, we're two brothers that want to share our story and and put ourselves out there. So mm -hmm. it's been a and fun. And, you know, the, the, the beautiful part of all of this, too, though, is the sort of mystical interdependence of all of it, if you will, in that your awakening probably sort of facilitated or prepared Cain's awakening in some capacity. And so, in, in, and we like, that's what we talk about sort of generational or ancestral healing is exactly that, right? It's like our sort of spiritual revolution, you yeah. know, texturizes itself into the journeys of those we're connected to, and especially our familial bonds and ties, wherein on some level, even if you never spoke about your awakening, you'd still be sort of offering the seeds of potential to everybody that you're connected to just on sort of a spiritual soul level. And so surely, you know, your process and your sort of rate, the rise in your vibration and your shifts offered came that space and sort of that understanding. He probably witnessed some of that for you. And, and then, you know, it, it brought him to the place or helped perhaps ready him in, in a way that, you know, the two of you, maybe that's like sort of your soul agreement, the two of you, like you have this yeah. sort of soul agreement. I love, I like to think that we, we have that. And so you like, cool, you're going to go first, basically you're going to like, right. but it's going to be longer and he's going to kind of maybe witness your journey and be able to understand and intellectualize it in a different way. Had he not seen someone else he's close to go through it. And then that is kind of simultaneously preparing him for his, and then his is just going to be a drop. And then boom, now you guys have this now new renewed sort of soul mission, collective soul yes. mission to share this information wisdom. Yeah. Your, um, your reincarnation theories are definitely safe with us. Cause that's one of the, um, so this is all since May and I, I definitely was skeptical with reincarnation before, but as we have progressed through the podcast and just talking things out loud, I, I definitely, we're on that path where, um, it seems like, yeah, there's some recurring, um, history and that recurring history seems to have, you know, bigger guidance involved with mm -hmm. some of the stuff that's happening on this level of form. So yeah, mm -hmm. all all that theory is safe with us in terms of cool. that, that seems to be where we're going with this as well. Um, yeah, awesome. but just it, it sounds like you have a lot of um, history understanding that in terms of if you were meditating for those extended periods of time because I've I'm working backwards, mm -hmm. um, so I have the experience and now mm -hmm. I have a new devotion where I'm understanding now that that devotion is meditation. So mm. I'm, I'm moving into that, to that direction and it's wonderful and it's joyful. Um, sometimes I feel like the consciousness is coming in through the breath. I mean, it's all, it's all wonderful and it's amazing. And I can see where over time, this would lead to some of the stuff like what you're talking about, more understanding of a, of a deeper soul level of a deeper soul history. Um, how are you receiving that just through the meditative process? Really and truly, yes. You know, I did a good amount of reading in sort of the early stages of my process. Um, and there's certainly books that like really landed with me and I carry with me. But the truth of the matter is I feel like I have gotten most of my understanding just from a you know practical application and just really living out this truth and i think that's really the best way to do it right because i mean you read eckhart tolle for example and he has these just like gem after gem after gem in his books and it's like so so rich but then it's like then it's still sort of disconnected from you put the book down and you're still out in the world and you know you're a jerk or whatever like it's it's not like they don't add up so when you find it for yourself and when you feel it and experience it right because spirituality is so much about the experience too like you think talk about the awakening right it's like you can hardly intellectualize it we hardly even have the context for it to really do it proper justice in trying to describe what we're talking about so you know if there's one person who hadn't gone through it then it's like it's like you're 
you, you, you're limited in how you can even describe yourself and, and how someone is going to understand you because they can only see you from their level of consciousness. Right. Eckhart talks about that all the time. Right. So experience is really, to me, the best teacher. People always ask me for book recommendations. I'm like, I have a couple, but um, I mean, if you're gonna ask me for a book recommendation, I'm just gonna tell you to meditate if I'm being honest, because I really feel like meditation is like the one place you can go to really get your process going to really understand your sort of inner workings, work through things, figure out who you are, meet your shadow. Like there's so much good stuff that happens in that practice that to yeah. me, like if everybody meditated, we would live in a much different place, right? You talk about society being backwards, like the inversion the matrix, like, yeah, it's so inverted. It's so backwards. And, you know, meditation sets it right. If we're being honest, if you really have a devoted meditation, meditation practice, it sets you right, right. And so it's one person at a time setting themselves right, realizing, wow, we live in this totally backward society, flip yourself around, and then you go out and just live your life and speak your truths. And people are gonna be like, wow, this is so amazing. And like, you know, people do that with me. And and it's really just because I flip myself around. <laughs> it's, it's just that. <laughs> we, we love your matrix reference. Um, rest cool. assured awesome. of that. <laughs> so the documentary. Uh, <laughs> uh, so like, can you, can you share any of your mechanics as far as, for the listeners as far as meditation and, and some of your processes of, of, of what you start with, what your, what your goals are. Yeah. You know, at this point in my practice, I, um, I, I really don't need much. If I'm being honest, um, I just sit and I just go into it. It's pr pretty available to me, but it's taken me, you know, a, a good part of a decade to get here. So, you know, and I also teach meditation. So whenever with my students and with people, a lot, I get a lot of questions about meditation and especially people who have just started. I always just say, if you can at least, because there's so much to it that is just as you, I love that you called it a devotion because it is that. And it's so much about just the commitment and the intention and actuality of doing it. So if you're going to start, I say, just at least start five minutes a day and actually do it for five minutes a day. Because if you even do 10, 15, 20, if you're going to commit to that, you're, you might be less likely to actually do it, especially because people are still so quite resistant to this practice that if you like you can't really fumble five minutes a day like anybody can literally sit and just be with themselves for five minutes a day if you just do it when you first wake up or whatever it is but you, it's the consistency and it's the commitment and what you'll find is after maybe a month of doing it five minutes a day you actually want to do it longer because it feels good you know it's a, it feels great most of the time sometimes it, it's a little wonky right it's a little different every day but um yeah, I always recommend just starting with a committed amount of time that you can commit to every single day. And then, you know, there's so many different ways of approaching it. You, If you, you know, are comfortable with just pure silence and you can just breathe for five minutes, you're going to probably think and breathe for five minutes. Totally fine. If you, you know, it, it could be quite helpful to put on background music of some sort, ideally no words if it's music, um, just to kind of fill the space, if you will. Uh, obviously there's plenty of teachers out there and lots of apps now that you can turn on and just let somebody guide you if that's your jam. Um, so lots, lots and lots of ways to do it. Um, but to me, it's all about doing it right first and then um, the commitment and the continued practice, because if you just do it once every now and again, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't quite um, shift you in the same way as like a committed, devoted practice does. Very good. Yeah. So yeah, when I uh, when I first started meditating, it was extremely painful. So no, I didn't mm -hmm. I I didn't want to sit down and meditate. But um, you know, after Cain had his awakening and and me having the mindset that I did, now I even when I'm driving in the truck or I'll just even with my eyes open and I do a lot with my hands with the breathing in tandem with the mind's eye. So I'll, I'll kind of ground myself mm -hmm. with my hand. You know, when you put your awareness and your hand warms up. So I use that totally. as a grounding force, but I'll do that driving down the road now. Uh, mm -hmm. I have two hours of drive time, say, per day. So most of that mm -hmm. time, I try to put myself in a meditative state too. And it um, helps with the, you know, going to sit down in one spot for a certain amount of time or, you know, and then coming home and making time for 15 minutes or just, I had the mindset after I had first awakening that I had to do like 20 minutes, 20 minutes at lunch, 20 minutes at dinner. So I changed that to like 
checking in constantly all the time, mm. the day, even, yeah. even driving or whatever it may be. Um, mm -hmm. I've been approaching. Yeah, that's so powerful. And, and I, I call that meditation in action. And, it, you know, I, I think that that's sort of, I, I don't like to call act like there's like levels to this, but you know, it is sort of like the first practice, the first practice usually is just you sitting in stillness and just finding comfort there. Then you kind of, you know, it, it is important to practically apply it. Right. Because I think I know for myself at some point it was almost like it became almost an escape because it was feeling so good. And I was like gaining so much in my practice, but I was like, six hours a day is like a little excessive, right? You still have to be human and like do the human thing. So, right. you know, you have to sort of learn then how to integrate it and be that in that feel good space and, and to access that part of you when you're in a crowd of people, right? That's sort of like the next, the next challenge and kind of maintaining that, that sort of stoic peace, even when you're just in like the midst of chaos. I got a question about um, your contrast in terms of the way you were before and the way you are now um one of my big questions is and again i'm very new to this so i'm i'm in the process of working through this but i think i'm empathic now so i think like some of the stuff that i'm feeling and maybe at times even some of the stuff that i'm thinking is so off the wall and it's so related to somebody around me yeah. that I think I'm picking up on on their energy or on their aura or whatever we want to call it. Is that like a natural process that happens through that event in your case? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I would say that I, I've always been like what I call a highly sensitive person. I mean, empath and highly sensitive person to me are sort of interchangeable, but um, I, I like, I think for me, it was, it, I, I sort of evolved from the empath who was sort of always open, always caring other people's stuff, like, just like, almost um, irresponsibly, like available to other energies and like trying to heal the world all the time to highly sensitive person, which is like, cool, I understand that I'm like, have this capacity to pick up on other energies and to even transmute. I mean, alchemists and alchemy is something else they talk about a lot. And that's exactly what I would say this is, is sort of recognizing the energies of your space and the energies of those around you and then sort of intentionally running energy to kind of clear and transmute so that you can at least stay in your bubble of feel good and not kind of be bombarded by the energies of others. Um, so, but definitely, I think I, I certainly notice, and I don't know like the science behind this quite yet, but I do believe that the more you meditate, the more sensitive you become in some capacity. I think we all are sensitive, highly sensitive, you know, intuitive, empathic beings. And, you know, when, when that's kind of closed off, or especially kind of, I think this sort of probably relates to third eye being open somewhat too, and you're just in your kind of being interim in, in dimensionally and in the realms. But um, yeah, I definitely think that the more you meditate, and the more you kind of clear yourself out, you become a, sort of a clearer channel. In fact, um, Osho talks a lot about that if you guys read much of his stuff. But um, he kind oh, yeah. of pinpoints that as like the main, the best thing you want to do is like become the bamboo stick kind of, he says. And so the more you sort of clear yourself out, the more you just sort of a clear channel for just higher vibrational energy, source energy to work through you. And so then instead of you being just this empathic, taking everybody's on kind of burdened by the world around you, you don't want to be in public, you sort of shift that to cool, I'm going to actually vibrate out instead of take in. Um, and, you know, as a healer and somebody who works energy, it's definitely something you have to really master because you don't want to be taking on all your client stuff all the time. Right. So, but yeah, I, I definitely feel like there's something about really kind of going through your awakening, maybe kind of unblocking your capacity to sort of hold energy and then and then understanding how to master that and work that. So you're it's it's totally um, a gift. You know, it's absolutely a gift. And I think one that we probably most people have, but we just don't know how that works yet. And so we end up just bombarded by other people's stuff. We, you know, we think it's ours. Even a lot of people even identify with those emotions and energies, don't even realize they've just taken it from Betty at work. Yeah. And so, so it's really, that's like a sort of the nuance and that's meditation in action, if you will, because you have to be so present that you're like, wow, I'm feeling this anxiety and it's not even mine. Most people aren't present enough to to realize that. So you can't even so you're like, oh, I'm just feeling this anxiety. And then suddenly you have anxiety. It's like, no, that's Betty's. But we talked about no, it. he's had that. Payne's had that. That's a perfect example. I mean, he I, I think that's and I've I've, you know, say, hey, do you, you realize that 
you know, you, you were talking to this person that that was coming from, that was the way they were feeling. It was like an aha, mm -hmm. but I, you've talked about feeling other people's anxiety, right? Kane? Oh uh, yeah, for sure. And the, it, there's a contrast even to you Sole, in terms of you were saying at, at the beginning, you were very open and maybe irresponsibly open. But for me, like I built such a structural defense where I wouldn't feel anything from anybody. So now mm. my contrast, when that defense is not there, the old ego defense mm -hmm. is not there. Now it's just like, because I live in a, I, I have my wife and my daughter and then my older son. So we have a nice split in the house in terms of um, two girls and two boys. Nice. And there's like with the girls in there and like, I'm not really familiar with anxiety. Like I don't, don't really have it that much, but my wife and my daughter talk about it all the time. And mm -hmm. lately with my daughter, she'll come up to me and we'll have an engagement and then she'll walk away and I'm just flooded with anxiety. Wow. And, I'm, wow. and I'm realizing, and at first I didn't really make the connection, but now I'm understanding like, oh, I'm picking up on her. I mean, she's 12. So, I mean, mm. she's working through her, yeah. you know, her responsibilities of form as a 12 year old, which includes anxiety. Um, so yeah. it's not as if she's dealing with something that she shouldn't be dealing with, but mm -hmm. yeah, I, it, it's, it's a very intense feeling. It just kind of, um, very tangible, very mm -hmm. foreign to me. Um, which kind of clued me into maybe I'm picking up on somebody else's energy and that's not my own. And then you can mm -hmm. kind of sense that when you're out in the world, like just spikes of anger or spikes of um, unpleasantness in some, um, in some way. And you, you can start to realize like, Oh, I have to be a little bit more careful than I used to, or, or uh, just maintain that level of consciousness. And um, as long as you're aware of it and you don't, like you mm -hmm. said, identify with it, then it doesn't seem like anything can really hurt you. But yeah, it's a, totally. a, a new sensation. Yeah, I'm sure. I mean, yeah, especially for it to be such a, a switch. But yeah, what I would encourage you to do, and and I, I think this is like sort of a beginning point of what, what I call alchemy. You know, I think alchemy is understood in many different ways by many different people. But to me, energy work and alchemy are sort of interchangeable where you're sort of taking something as one form and transmuting it or shifting it to another form. And to me, that can be done with energy. That's what we do with energy. So you're out in public, you sort of notice like someone's kind of picking up on someone's anxiety or whatever it is, or even with your daughter, it would be really good practice for her because you're so connected to her. The more we are connected to someone, the easier it is for that energy to transfer without us being aware of it. So if you're in an exchange with her and you're feeling that, um, it, what I would encourage you to do is just kind of notice it you can almost kind of and this isn't a negative thing but it's okay to have boundaries right because we all have to do that especially as highly sensitive pe people so you can kind of just imagine sort of putting yourself kind of in a bubble so the, the energy can't quite like latch on to you and then you're sort of then you just kind of imagine yourself just kind of sending her love basically you could that's the best way to sort of imagine just yeah. sending her love so you're sort of running a higher power energy over the anxiety you're sort of running through it that's transmutation so you're clearing out what she's feeling and then um and then you're sort of and then you're allowing and then you're maintaining your vibe and then kind of offering her an opportunity to sort of rise to your vibration instead of you coming down to meet her yeah what a great idea you know i didn't really think of it like that because but as soon as you say that because what i'm doing is i'm basically sitting in amazement in the fact that i'm feeling anxiety and so it, <laughs> yeah. it's so and so I just get stuck there where I'm like, this is totally new. And, and, and now I, I, I have like a mechanism for it, like right in front of me, but you're right. Like a more active, like not even necessarily a defense, like go ahead and feel it, accept it, and then mm -hmm. send it back in a more loving way. What a great idea. Yeah. I love that. Yep. Totally. Very cool. Mm -hmm. This is why we wanted to talk to you. Cause um, yeah, I can tell just by a lot of your, uh, um, Twitter stuff. That's one of the great things about having that contrast of waking up from being totally unconscious mm. is one of the things that's kind of hitting you in the face is like all the truth that's coming from all around you. Like it's yeah. all right under your nose and you just feel right like there. an idiot for not seeing it. <laughs> so and, true. Um, but you're, 
your Twitter page is definitely like, I mean, right in there where I, I would scroll through and I, I was just like, who is this soul girl? Like, I love her name. Um, she sounds anonymous. Like we were talking about V for Vendetta last time. And when I saw your name, you did, it was just like this, no identity, just soul, like speaking truth. So you said you, um, your name soul change life. was, soul yeah. Life. Right. But as I'm reading it, I'm just putting yeah. you of, of the anonymous soul. And totally. it, it, good. <laughs> it just hit me beautifully when uh, a, a lot of the truth that was being um, spoken by you. So that's one of the great things about the new state I'm in now is mm. luckily there's a lot of people, you know, speaking a lot of truth. And it's out there if you mm. have the ears to hear it or the eyes to see it. It's out there. Yeah, most definitely. And obviously, that's why you all started this podcast. And I applaud you for doing that, you know, and I think that the truth is like, you know, we sort of we can you can look at the world, especially as a highly sensitive or, or an empathic person and feel kind of bombarded by like, like all the craziness and how everything is inverted and everybody's indoctrinated. And it's like the yeah. matrix is just taking over. And then but at the end of the day, you're doing these kinds of podcasts, the awareness that you have your ability to shift energy and do what you do, you know, with the answer. And that's all you can do, right? There's only so much one person can do. But as long as you're doing it, that's 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 enough. So I, I hope that you both are able to kind of be in that truth when you feel those moments of sort of overwhelm, or like maybe you should be doing more, you know, I know a lot of us sort of feel that way. But you know, it's you can like, like we said, you can only do so much. A lot of us are kind of visionaries, if you will, we're sort of, you know, quite ahead of the curve of consciousness. So we, you know, you can, it's like when you're up there, you can only like, you gotta, you can only do so much when you're limited by language and by understanding and levels of consciousness. So you do everything that you can do. You sleep well at night, knowing that you're on your path, you're, you're living out the solution and consciousness will catch up eventually, you know, things will start to shift. I do believe people are waking up more so now and especially over the past couple of years and um the other things that have gone down more recently in society and what have you so you know i think just really trusting your path but staying committed you know staying committed to your practices staying committed to living out the truth because to me it's it's almost like sort of even breaking down this idea of gurus and even spiritual teachers and and you know people that we sort of look up to it's like no it's everybody just do your work like that's what it comes down to right we don't it's not like idols and worshiping you know so and so it's more so just you know holding yourself accountable that's true spirituality is holding yourself accountable what life do you live do you really embody what you believe in and what you talk about and are you doing the work are you confronting yourself are you facing yourself are you shifting and changing and making sure that you're continuing the pro along the process of evolution and awakening and if you are you know you're you're quite ahead of probably 90 percent of the population so bravo it's a good point. I, I I realized very quickly that taking on pastors and preachers was not gonna not gonna serve me well. <laughs> but but that's, that's the direction I wanted to go into, and and and, and quickly realized what I would be getting into, uh, you know, if I did that. But speaking of those tweets, I'm gonna read one of your tweets right here. Uh, okay. Overthinking is interference between you and the Creator. Pretty simple, mm. but pretty powerful. What do you mean by that? Yeah, you know, that to me is like, you know, the meditation and stillness practices, right? It opens up for you to receive and and for you to sort of um, download, if you will, or access sort of higher vibrational energies, higher knowledge, higher wisdom. And if you're thinking too much, you know, I think like most of our problem in society is that is is this guy right here, the brain, the mind, the like, with the, you know, like we've done, we've done so much intellectually and we're spiritually, we're like still quite underdeveloped. And so, you know, when the more that you think to me, it's kind of blocking out self-awareness, it's blocking out even accountability on some level, because you can always rationalize away, you know, your, your faux pas and such. Um, so when you're stuck in the mind all the time, you don't have access to the different dimensions and different layers of being that are happening simultaneously There, you can't be fully, you know, emerge in your mind and also completely self-aware. You can't be fully emerged in your mind and also completely present. So to me, you know, when you're overthinking and when you just wake up in the morning, you think all day and you've been, you know, you passed out and you like your, your whole day is only filled with the noise of your mind, then you're blocking out, like you said, the magic of just the world around you. I mean, the, the, my favorite part of the awakening process is like, 
there's so much magic in the world. Like it's, there's, it's everywhere. The synchronicities are everywhere. If you have your eyes open and can just see from under your thinking cap, you'll see that life is always orchestrating and moving and shifting you and showing you the way to yourself, to more of, you know, more of everything. But if you're thinking so much, you miss all of it, right? You're just like this kind of robot and robot mind and like not even totally aware of the fact that like there's miracles just landing at your feet and you're just like thinking about dinner, like. <laughs> so right. that in yourself too, you would uh, kind of attach that to like the ego entity that ever from ever since you were a child, that, that person that you've talked to, like that thinking self as well, other than, you know, thinking about what you're cooking for dinner as well, but also that self-created in entity correct mm -hmm. yeah definitely i think i i would kind of relate the the thinking mind or the monkey mind with yeah. the ego i think they're quite similar now i want to you know preface that by saying I, I don't believe it's about removing your ego i don't think you can remove your ego like you that's ego your shadow which are kind of kind of like like to play together um are you know are a necessary part of who we are it's like that's that's sort of the light and the dark right so it's not about removing it collapsing it pretending like it's not there and then being only love and light it's about recognizing oh, okay i have these tendencies or i am this way or i have it the way i i think this way and then mastering it it's just mastering it making friends with it like understanding it knowing your tendencies and then being willing to hold yourself accountable for them very good point yeah and, and you mentioned earlier um, the limitations of language, and that's one of the things I kind of find myself now in terms of ego or ego management. Like, how do I know if I'm lying to myself? And then the answer always is, well, if I'm using words, <laughs> I can be pretty mm. sure that, that that's <laughs> basically a lie. Because even the true statements, like you could say, you know, like, I love my wife, which is obviously mm. a true statement. But then when you start to analyze the word love, and I think Ecker totally puts it beautifully where he mentions that people mistake the road sign of Florida for Florida, the space. So you get to the road sign and you think you know what Florida is, but Florida is actually this thing behind the sign yeah. that's much deeper than the word could ever um, illustrate. So yeah, I always find myself checking myself where you think you're onto something and you might be grabbing onto it as if, you know, it's something you want to hold onto. And then you just have to remember, like, if it's using words, then it's, it's not going to give you the same clarity that silence and stillness is going to give you. Mm, so, so true. Yeah. And, and it's true that, you know, so much, like we've said of uh, this is about the experience of it and it's just beyond words, right? I mean, there's just, there's always gonna be a limit to trying to describe the experience of something. Cause really without having the experience of it, there's just, you can't get somebody to feel it if they haven't. Um, and so I totally agree. And, and so then as you evolve too though, these, these kind of high, you know, high level concepts, which love to me is a very high level concept that we sort of have watered down as we have most things. Right. Um, but like love is sort of the ever present, omnipresent possibility for the highest reality for all. It's kind of how I would describe love. Um, but we sort of have, we, we, like, I don't know what we've done to love, but <laughs> it's not that. Um, right. But I talk about love often and that's kind of how I refer to it. Um, and I've even actually gotten some backlash on how I talk about love. I, I got Twitter mobbed <laughs> quite recently because I made a post about love that a lot of women didn't like. Um, and oh, because so what me, happened? I, what was the post? Um, and so <laughs> the post was actually, I said that if we, um, maybe as if we as women loved men better, we would get better men. And boy, I, I I've <laughs> never... Um, I had never been to, it was, it was what we call a big, big Twitter mob. I just got like death threats, every name oh, you could wow. ever imagine. I mean, I just got totally tackled for that, which, because to me, when I say love men better, it's, it's not about like, do women read that and they think, oh, I've just sacrificed everything. I've done everything I could. I've just yeah. totally abandoned myself to love this man better. To me, that's not loving a man better. <laughs> Why would you think that? Like. Loving a man better is like first loving yourself better. It's right. you know it's learning how to say no. It's learning how to hold boundaries. It's learning how to hold love to its highest standard. It doesn't mean abandoning yourself, sacrificing yourself, depleting yourself. Like that's not love to me. But sure. it's even like you know as you sort of evolve and these words evolve with you, it's hard to even fit them into something like love, which everybody I you know would would ha has an understanding of. 
um, but not that kind of that not the, that level of understanding, right? We all have our own understanding of how of, of different words. So when you use these words now, you're like you've evolved. The world has, word has evolved with you, but the people you're talking to are still in this different space with the word. So, you know, it it, it poses a challenge, especially on somewhere like Twitter, where it's all words. You know, I'm trying to communicate these these kind of high level concepts in words that people can understand and it's always going to be misinterpreted misunderstood and i've learned to be okay with that um the twitter mob had had me like i had to kind of recalibrate for a couple of days but i'm back at it <laughs> that's that's super interesting though because obviously like you you struck a nerve like on a collective identity mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. yeah right yeah, I mean that—that's the only way you would get backlash like that. So, like a collective, yeah. and we talk about them all the time. It's kind of dangerous to talk about because, um, you know, and Osho is a great example of this. Talks about it a lot, mm -hmm. but the collective identities that we get caught in, and and how mm -hmm. how hard people hold on to them. But mm -hmm. yeah, it's interesting that you ran right up against that. Um, I I should be paying closer attention to Twitter than I am, but. Um, that that is super interesting that you hit a collective identity like that and get a huge backlash. Yeah, and you know, I think if you, I, I only only in January I had like three hundred followers in January, and I was like, all right, I feel like Twitter is going to be my platform because I I um I have I've not been feeling Instagram more recently, and I have been feeling like I want to just you know kind of really get my voice out there more and. Um, so have made great progress um, since then, but you know, you realize like, wow, there's, there definitely is limitations here. And there are definitely, like you said, sort of collective identities that you have to sort of learn how to navigate. You have to let yourself be misunderstood constantly. People are gonna attack you constantly. So, you know, it's still sort of in the muck of humanity, but it's, as long as you like kind of have, are able to just understand that you can only you explain yourself on, you know, to an extent and trust that people are still gonna receive you however they need to and that's you know a big part of my work as a, as you know someone who does healing work is that people some people like you and some people don't and either way what you're offering them is an opportunity for them to see themselves better to know themselves better most people probably won't take it especially the ones who are triggered by you but you know it's still the medicine whether they're triggered or they're inspired you're still offering the medicine you know and it's up to them that's that's the part of just sort of non-attachment of like you know, would do what you will with it. I've given you an opportunity to understand yourself and understand the world in a different way. If you want to take it, awesome. If not, awesome. I'm going to just keep going. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So well said. You hit on a few key points that are going to take me into another tweet that you said here as far as holistic wellness. Um, mm. you wrote, Most people would rather take a pill or undergo a procedure instead of addressing the actual problem that's probably asking them to evolve. Uh, ho holistic wellness means healing the root causes of our distortions and ailments, which takes a certain level of courage and accountability. I can relate. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, awesome. How, how so? Uh, just so again, when I woke up for the first time and I broke through and I thought everything was backwards, I couldn't understand the, um, uh, uh, not, not sure of the word I'm looking for, but it just, just in terms of religion, people leading people down the wrong road, I, I couldn't understand why we didn't have more, um, uh, people in power or leaders that, um, led people in the right direction and and mm. now the conclusion i've come to is is people just don't understand so um and and they don't see clearly so when you have doctors that prescribe medications or psychiatrists for for certain ailments that and and there's no push in the right direction to to of any type of natural healing first um yeah. I just I just saw it all backwards in the beginning. Injustice was the word I was looking for. I thought when mm. I saw everything backwards, I was like, man, there's a lot of injustices going around just for the sake of like money, really. Like you literally yeah. just gonna put someone on a pill because yeah. you know they have anxiety. When really, if you if you got the right person and you just focus on that anxiety just a little bit, I mean, I feel like mm. you can burn it out of you. But the sake of you know, pill for 20 years is like. What, what are we doing to people? Yeah, 
Oh, it's so real. You know, Western medicine is so much exactly what you're describing, unfortunately. Um, and it is, you know, and someone so as a holistic healer myself and, and an energy worker, our understanding is that any ailment or any sickness, manif uh, you know, materializes first on an energetic or spiritual level. So, you know, when someone comes with any kind of issue to me, the first thing we sort of look at is sort of, okay, what region uh, of the body is it, you know, and so then kind of what, what chakra maybe would, was that, does that relate to, then I, you know, we look at sort of familial relationships, we look at diet, we look at, um, you know, what they're consuming, how much they're, you know, exercising, working their body, like, there's so many layers to it, right. And so, but imagine, you know, so we're looking at where, where's the root of this thing? Where is this coming from? What oftentimes there, we, if you go layer by layer by layer, you find that there was a trauma of some sort, or, you know, in fact, working in the eating this eating recovery, eating disorder recovery center, 95% um, of them had sexual trauma. And, you know, but of course they, you know, they were going through therapy and such, but they weren't necessarily kind of really addressing that very clear root cause. Um, but, and usually there is, there usually is some form of a root like that, or it'll just be quite clearly like, you know, their diet or, or something, you know, they don't exercise at all. They're not moving their body, you know, whatever it is, but usually there's pretty clear shifts that can be made right away um to really address sort of the fundamental causes of what's happening but like you said western medicine they go in okay they're literally just addressing the side effects right they're not actually looking at the problem they're just saying oh you're having like you know high blood pressure cool take this pill not like well let's look at your diet how much water are you drinking you know like all these other factors that probably contribute to it western medicine you know quite more often than not doesn't even consider any of that which is really it's hard to call that medicine yeah, agreed. Yeah, very much so. It's definitely an issue in this country. Yeah. They just had um, that big exposure with the SSRIs. And I mean, a lot of that stuff is coming to light where it's, you know, about time where we start having some conversations that, like you said, blood pressure medicine is such a great example. Like, what the heck is blood pressure medicine? Like, blood pressure. <laughs> rising is like obviously a symptom of you not doing something you're supposed to be doing and totally. the idea that you would just sell somebody a pill that just lowers it in some way that obviously you chemically probably don't even understand and you know god mm -hmm. knows what problems you're causing with the cure you know yes but exactly. they don't care about that either because they probably got a no. pill for that too got a pill for that too <laughs> yeah it's ridiculous so completely true. unethical yeah really and truly it's amazing how i mean what talk about an inversion right it's like so clearly an inversion it's 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 hard to kind of think about sometimes but you know again what can we do but just continue to rise as the solution and do this work for ourselves and figure out you know speak from personal experiences um you know how we're able to to shift in our own in our own you know spheres and in our own lives and um, trust that that will take over because you know the lie can only exist for so long right i mean western medicine has existed for quite a long time but you know if it's built on a lie it's if it's built on the inversion then eventually there's no foundation for it to to live on forever so once you know we start poking and prodding around realizing there's no foundation for this to live on then eventually it has to change um, and i think that we are the change yeah amen Yeah, somebody has to be. Somebody. <laughs> I guess we're it. Somebody. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> um, so we're we're approaching the hour mark. Did you um, have any closing remarks, Sole, that you wanted to get out? We've got about three minutes left. Man, closing remarks. Um, <clears throat> no, I think I, I think I've said you know most of um, what I would hope to say. I, I really think. It, you know, if anybody ever asked me for advice, it's always just meditation. I really feel like there's just so much power in that practice. So for those listening, if you're new to meditation or you haven't tried it yet, you know, I strongly encourage you just to give yourself five minutes a day, um, ask questions. You're welcome to reach out to me if you want to, if I can help you in any way. Um, and, you know, and, and, and I think that that's kind of the first level of 
really taking accountability. I think we live in a society where we've sort of, you know, exported our accountability to the government, to these other like systems that don't have our best interest in mind. And so sort of reclaiming accountability, I think on a societal sort of fundamental level will be such a powerful shift in moving into what I consider sort of a new paradigm, a new way of being. But and meditation to me is sort of the first layer of that, because to sit with yourself every day, which pe most people avoid, you know, is is true accountability. It says, I'm going to see, I'm going to sit, I'm going to be with myself. And um, while that seems so, kind of seamless and silly, on some level, it's it's quite, uh, you know, most people don't. And there's a reason for that, because it's not it's not easy. You know, as you said, as you first started your practice, it, you know, it's, it's kind me. of tumultuous at first. <laughs> yeah. Not for me. Yeah, but you know, over time, you you get more comfortable with it, and you start to understand yourself better. And there's just this new level account of accountability that comes through when you are willing to do your work in that way. So I encourage everybody to just really take the measures and the steps into figuring out, you know, who you are and what your gifts are and why you're here, and to meet yourself and and tr take accountability and. Um, I think, you know, I think there's still a lot of hope for humanity. The way I see it, we're just kind of in this really like uncomfortable sort of ego death, if you will, on a collective scale. And once these kind of old layers that are sort of collapsing and falling away, the matrix kind of um, walls, uh, once that sheds, you know, I think there's a lot of potential for where we can go from here, but it's going to really take all of us and really committed to our own inner work. Very good. How can people reach, reach you on Twitter? Yeah, Twitter and Instagram at the Soleil Romero. Uh, my website is soleilromero.com. And yeah, those are pretty much my only platforms right now. Very good. This was awesome. Really appreciate yeah. you taking the time. Um, I'm, Pleasure I'm to talk to you. You're welcome back thank anytime as well. Yeah, let's do it. I'm down. Yes, thank you. Awesome. Appreciate it. My pleasure, guys. Nice chatting.